Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and my guest today is the founder of another powerfully purpose-driven brand in the home cleaning and personal care space. Bonnie McQueen is the founder of Keeper Clean, a startup focused on helping customers reduce single-use plastics. And I really do think Australia is leading the way in this area. We've had a few brands running in this space already, and each a little bit different in their own implementation. To me, Bonnie's story epitomizes the must-do spirit of a sustainability entrepreneur, and I feel her passion for influencing change and educating customers is truly inspiring. I also found that her approach to social media is really instructive. She's committed to actually being seen as the face of the brand and creating content that resonates with and educates her audience on sustainability. In my view, she's doing an incredible job of leveraging her influence as the leader of the brand for the health of our planet. And that's an approach I think we can all learn from. So with that, let's start the show. Bonnie McQueen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Giles. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an absolute thrill to have you here. And for all the listeners out there, Bonnie and I met, absolute coincidence. I was walking down the uh, the Eleanor High Street uh, up in the northern beaches uh, where I live, and they had a, uh, a Sunday market on, which is the first time and only time they've ever done that. And lo and behold, there was a little store offering uh, sustainable home cleaning products and i'm like oh wow this is incredible this is like from my local marketplace given that you know what we talk about on, all day on the show so we are going to go deep into the keep a clean story today uh bonnie but before we get there why don't you give us a little bit of background about who you are and how you came to start the thing in the first place awesome awesome so i think to start off with just to to give a bit of background as to what keep a clean is it is yes. a sustainable hand soap and cleaning brand. So it's all about reusing the bottles, hence the name Keeper. So the, the bottles you reuse, you fill it with water and you add a concentrated cleaning pod, which then becomes the product. So it's, a, it's kind of a two-part thing, but it's all about reducing the single-use plastic. Also, when we met, that was only my second market. We're predominantly an online brand. I was just, um, I was just going to chat with the community and and see what it was like to work a market. So that was fun. What a fantastic source of, I mean, well, they call it brand activations, right? What a fantastic source of interaction with people to get feedback, to get in, initial impressions, which you just never get. Uh, on, in the online digital world. So, I mean, very smart thing you did there, but let's back up. Who, who's Bonnie McQueen? How did you get here? Okay, cool. So we'd have to rewind a couple of years. Uh, my background is in marketing, in product development. And so I've always kind of had an eye for gaps in the market. I, I myself am a consumer that is always like, oh, I really need this thing. This isn't available to me. And so with Keeper Clean, the way it came about was I'd just moved out of home. 
I was having to stock my shelves with cleaning products, with all the, the personal care items. And I just found that it was impossible to find things that weren't packaged in plastic. I could, fi- mm. I could find reusable things. That was fine. But the refills were packaged in about just as much plastic as the uh, original item. And so I was getting really frustrated because I'd done my research and there wasn't a lot of options out there. And I I cast my net a little bit wider to see if there was anything internationally. And there were, there were some options, but nothing within Australia. And I was kind of like, okay, that is it. (laughs) I am going to put my background to work. We'd actually kind of just kicked off with the pandemic as well. So I'd gone down to four days a week. I had a little bit of extra time and I thought, all right, let's, let's see what we can do here. Let's see if we can find a solution to the problem. And so I got to working. I was chatting with a chemist. I was also in my kitchen making concoctions of all sorts with different ingredients. And it was, it was just, it was a crazy time, but uh, yeah, but eventually by some miracle, I came to developing Keeper Clean and yeah, and it's been a wild ride, very exciting journey ever since. Uh, But yeah, super, super passionate about the whole sustainability space. And I guess for me, it's been a bit of a journey as well, because when I first moved out of home, like prior to that, yeah, I'd been recycling. I'd been conscious about the, the plastic problem, not to the extent of how bad it is, but I was conscious of it. Once I moved out, I just, it, it kind of escalated from there. And I think anyone who has started off on that sustainability journey can relate that you start small and then you look back a few years and you're like, wow, I just, I, I barely did anything then. But yeah, you just, you build on it. So yeah, fantastic. I mean, I, I love the, I love the notion of the, you know, the thought of you sort of madly mixing stuff up <laughs> at home and, and trying to come up with something that would work as a, as a you know as a solution to get rid of the plastic and of course you know as we as we've have talked about on the show several times with with people kind of in this space you know the challenge is ultimately uh trying to reduce the volume and then you know getting rid of the the big chunky bits of single use plastic in all this but you you guys have taken quite an interesting and different approach to that in the sense that while a lot of people are going down the powder route you've kind of gone into these little little gooey sachets things so talk talk a little bit about that yeah, so I initially I went down the powder route. And so all the concoctions I was making in my kitchen. And initially I was just making these things for me to see if I could I could figure out a way to do it. But then yeah. I, I I got speaking to people and they also had the same issues and wanted the same solutions. And so that's where it grew from there. But the reason yeah. I went into the into the pods is it's actually a supplier reason. Uh, And that is that when I first started out, I only really wanted small quantities and every single supplier I called, they'd say that the minimum order was a ton and asked me if I had a a forklift at home. And I didn't. I was living in an apartment at the time. I mean, I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, so many people have forklifts out the front now. It's just, you know. Uh, it's very common, very yeah. common. But um, yeah, that was that was actually a real challenge for me uh, in the beginning was finding suppliers. And so yeah. unfortunately, I wasn't able to go down the powder route. Uh, but on top of not having a forklift at home, there were also 
issues with the like the shelf life and issues with uh, keeping it dry and and packaging as well was also a big concern because it it for me it needed to be compostable packaging yeah but it also needed to uh, be water water resistant well not water resistant but it needed to keep out any kind of humidity moisture which, yeah mm. exactly exactly yeah moisture is the mortal en- enemy of powder-based products let's be honest yeah 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 exactly um and to be fair it's not it's not if if water got near one of the pods now it's probably not a good thing but uh it, it was a better solution for me for keep it clean so is it similar conceptually to the sort of dissolvables uh, sachets that you get with uh, dishwasher tablets and those sorts of things in terms of what you're making out of? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, very similar concept, uh, except the pods are super tactile, really squishy. And they're, yeah, so they're kind of nice to play with, but they they dissolve super, super quickly as well. So I, I went down the tablet route as well, looked into that. Tablets took up to half an hour to dissolve. And I was like, if we're trying to get people to move from something that's super convenient, which is shopping at the supermarket, buying these single-use plastic bottles onto the more Mm. sustainable solution, it needed to be just as convenient. It couldn't be that you ran out of multi-purpose spray and that you needed to wait half an hour for that new spray to to develop because you need yeah. to clean the benches right now you've got people coming over in five minutes so yeah so that's where the pod concept came in and it's yeah it's been good i love it so i mean you talk there about about the importance to you of compostable packaging so let's look at that because obviously packaging is the issue well probably eight tenths of the sustainability issue when it comes to the space that you're in personal care and home cleaning products right so both primary and shipment packaging so, t- so let's just talk us through the process you went through to to make that in your view a really sustainable solution yeah so this this part is i was super passionate about and i really liked designing the packaging as well that was quite fun but for me it was i couldn't have plastic in any part of the process like i didn't i didn't want anything packaged in plastic I didn't want any plastic stickers. I didn't want nothing. And so Mm. it was the investment into this compostable, recyclable, uh, eco-friendly packaging was a lot higher. But for me, it was way more important that I was making the change that these other big conglomerates refused to do because of their bottom line. Because for me, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, it's not about the the money. It's about making a change in the world. And so, yes. And so with the packaging, it was finding the suppliers who could print with eco ink that could be composted or recycled because yep. we know that not everyone has space for a compost unit at home and or, or doesn't know how to do it or hasn't started. And so I wanted something that wasn't just going to be compostable but could be recycled as well. So it was accessible yeah. to everyone. Yeah. And so I, I found that, I achieved that, which is good. And then uh, all, the, all the boxes are recyclable, compostable, but then there's also the little the instruction cards that come inside the box, which are the same thing, recy- recyclable, compostable, printed on recycled materials. And yeah, so it was, it's, I've tried to, to bring the sustainability to the core of the business. And 
not yeah. perfect, not claiming to be perfect. I've still got a long way to go and I've got sustainability goals that I want to achieve along the way to, to be better. But uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's kind of the, the gist of, of the beginning of Keeper because it's still very early days. Yeah. And, and so, well, just to give everyone a bit of context, how long have you been running? You mentioned it's sort of early days of COVID. So really just talking kind of less than three years, I suppose, are we? Yeah. So yeah. I was developing for, I was developing for a year yeah. and coming up with the packaging and the product and the, and the bottles as well, finding suppliers, all of that. And so the launch happened in March. So March, 2021. So coming okay. up to two years now. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up to two years. Awesome. So you've been in market two years. That's, that's fantastic. Well, well congratulations Thank first you. of all for, for getting into Thanks. market because, because 90% of, of businesses try and do something a little bit different. Like you, you uh, were doing then just kind of fall over at that hurdle and never come to market. Yeah. So so it's awesome that you're you're in market and you're selling and you and you're up and running, which is brilliant. So break it down. We've got the the keeper bottles. What what are they? They made are they glass or are they? They glass. Yeah. yeah so perfect. the the hand soap is one hundred percent glass, but it's very yeah. thick, high quality. So I yeah. actually I've had one report of a broken bottle in in yeah. the two years, which is, I mean, it's great. And I've also dropped my bottle a few times. It's been okay. Uh, the sprays so the multi-purpose and the bathroom cleaner those I figured would be moving around the house a little bit more so I I brought in some reinforcements and there is a silicon base on the bottle which means it grips really nicely to surfaces and its weight distribution based on the shape means that it's almost tip resistant uh and yeah it's it, it works a lot better than than just having straight up glass it's a great idea and and of course it just provides that little bit of isolation from the hard surfaces around the kitchen when you're sort of putting it on with wet hands and so on as mm. well so that all makes sense so you've then got your pods which obviously just dissolve to nothing and that's all organic and wonderful and then you've got your your, your sort of primary packaging is any shipment packaging which is all compostable yeah. and i'm assuming that you're sending out in some kind of compostable or recyclable shipment out of packaging as well i'm guessing exactly so i actually made the boxes are also the shipping boxes. So there's no additional. I, I've tried to keep the packaging to a minimum. Okay. And that is, yeah, so all I do is I put the the bottles in the box, the pods in the box, seal it up, and that is, that's how it goes. Yeah. And it's all kind of, it's held in place with the inserts, um, which okay. were a challenge. But yeah, we got there in the end. Very smart to think about that because um, ultimately, I mean, I suppose customers probably don't think about this but ultimately the cost of the shipment packaging gets priced into the price of the product and and if you don't have that that means that that's something that the customer doesn't need that they're not paying for you know so so that's fantastic you haven't added anything there which is which is brilliant but i'm intrigued by your journey there you you, know, you mentioned that you um you have kind of you're not perfect and you have uh, a kind of journey of extra things that you want to do in the sustainability sense which is which is of course completely normal i mean sustainability is a journey so talk us through that a little bit what do you see that where do you see this all going and what what things are, are you still are still bugging you that are kind of you feel that you just got to solve still I'm both on a personal journey and a business journey in that sense yeah I am very much a believer of imperfectly perfect in sustainability so it's just the most important thing is just to get started in sustainability and then build on that yeah so in terms of keep it clean one of the things that the biggest ick for me is that I wasn't able to get all of my suppliers onshore here in Australia. Right. One, because of the 
of the minimum order quantities because I don't have a forklift at home. <laughs> and and for, for storage reasons, uh, for the bottles, I, I, I just could not order 50,000 bottles on my first order. Yeah. And so that is one thing that I'm really pushing for is growing the business to a place where I can bring all of my suppliers on shore because initially, actually, this is one thing that that almost stopped Keeper Clean from becoming Keeper Clean and going live is that uh, when I realized I I could not feasibly have onshore suppliers for a couple of the things, uh, I was like, okay, that's it. It it can't be a business. Yeah. It cannot be a business. And I think it it was my uh, my now husband who was like. You, you just got to get started. Like yeah. you, you got to, everyone starts somewhere. You can build on it. You can, you can work on that, improve it later. But if you, if you don't try, if you don't start this now, um, then it's like, you'll always wonder. And so yes. that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of why I went down that route. But one of the, the I think the biggest thing that I really, really want to change. So what part of your product is made onshore at the moment? So at the moment, it's some of the packaging yeah, that's okay. made onshore. Yeah. And that's that's about it. I, I mean, I designed everything here. I had Australians working on the formula. I had all of that. Uh, but yeah, so the bottles and the, and the pods are made offshore. Yeah. So I'd like to bring everything back. And just have it here. If I could have, I would have made it all in my kitchen, but that also was not feasible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Being in market is better than not being in market, and and it's just part of the journey. So, so yeah. I wouldn't, I really wouldn't sweat that too much. And I think you know the reality is the vast majority of businesses have to a outsource, but then b outsource that internationally because there just isn't the capability level here to do mm. either production at all or small volume production here in Australia. So, yeah. um, so it's it's entirely normal. So you know, I I wouldn't worry too much about that. But you also mentioned your own personal sustainability journey. And I think this is really important because like we were saying uh, you know, before we jumped on, uh, um, before we jumped into the recording that we are all, whilst we're all founders of various, at various different levels of maturity in our business, we're all also on a, on our own personal sustainability journeys and nothing is perfect. You know, we, we're, we're learning a lot as we go with all this. And what I love about your business right now is that it really is in a pivotal part in the in consumers journey towards sustainability in the sense that you know the the first thing is oh well understanding how the household recycling bins work that's kind of like step one step two is kind of getting rid of plastic bags which has thankfully been forced on us through a whole bunch of you know initiatives and government action and and so on and we and we become more and more aware of that as as an issue and i think then you know almost step three is this space that you're in now which is in the the personal care home cleaning space, which is evolving rapidly. And it's a great spot because you get to interact with customers in the digital space, but also through your market stalls and anything else that you're doing and help them on that journey right at the point where they're starting to think a bit more broadly about how how can I buy better? What a powerful position that leaves you uh, in at Keep It Clean. Yeah, it's really cool. And I feel like people are getting more and more conscious of the problem that is at hand. And also with these little changes that we've seen in society, like the the plastic bags, for example, becoming banned. And then other things that are happening across Australia, 
where plastic utensils are now banned and at markets you won't see all this plastic packaging so it's people are becoming more conscious yes but i think a lot of people are also really scared to make the change because of the the loss of convenience or the percept the perception of loss of convenience right um we live busy lives i understand that uh it's just going to the supermarkets really easy and also buying sustainably can be more expensive and yeah. Sometimes the initial investment is it, the upfront cost is more expensive. So I, I can understand from that perspective where people are coming from. Yeah. But when you crunch the numbers and I've done it on lots of products because I've, I've made the switch to quite a few myself, you work out that replacing one single use product in your house. So for example, hand soap, keeper, uh, you replace your hand soap, just one bottle in your house. And that cost $30 to start up, but then you're not buying 12 hand soaps that yeah. year. Yeah. So you're saving however many dollars because you're not, if you're spending $5 a bottle, then after six bottles, you're, you're already square. Like yeah. you, you've, you're saving money after that. And, and therein lies the fundamental economic advantage of uh, reuse and circularity, right? I mean, that's that essentially Absolutely. is the story that we need to lead with in many respects yeah. in, as we head into these, uh, let's say economically choppy waters that we're in now with the cost of living, yeah. you know, going through the roof and all the rest of it. And, and, and the, the reality is there is a, a, probably an upfront and we're not talking like, you know, hundreds of dollars investment. Yeah. Here. We're talking a few <laughs> dollars difference, really. Ultimately there is a slight investment in, in the upfront cost of getting started with these sort of programs like yours, like keeper. Uh, but the, but the reality is that, that the economic value is in, is in the lack of necessity to keep repurchasing this thing, which is the container mm. that ultimately just gets out, end up in landfill anyway. And, and you, what's the point of buying that every time when you can keep, you, you have one reuse bottle and then you're just getting the active ingredients in the, in the, in the easy easiest way you possibly can without all the paraphernalia so that that 100% makes sense but is that is that the story that you've been leading with when when you're doing your activations is that and what feedback have you been getting from people to be honest with you I actually don't talk about the cost saving very much at all because I don't think I don't think that's the most important reason and I think maybe more now that people are more conscious of spending with all the the economic situation that will factor into the decision making process but I really believe that people come to keep it clean and other sustainable brands when they're ready to make Mm. a change when Mm. they're ready to reduce their plastic and I think the message that I'm leading with a lot is being imperfectly perfect with sustainability it's getting started no one is perfect to begin with and that is totally fine being 100% zero waste i'd say is is close to being unachievable in today's society yeah. you go to the supermarket and everything's packaged in plastic your yes. favorite food might be packaged in plastic and so yeah. it's it's very hard to avoid that so i'm talking a lot about just getting started because if we have a million people doing sustainability imperfectly then it's going to be so much more impactful than having say 100 people doing it perfectly so yeah. it's it yeah it's really just about kind of spreading the word getting more people on board and invested in the process of reusing and being conscious of of their impact yeah. especially now with the the red cycle program that's paused the yes. soft 
the soft plastic recycling program, I think it's more important than ever to to look at reusable because we can no longer recycle some of these things that that previously we could. So it's yeah. Giles just jumping in here again with a quick aside. No matter where you are in your journey to grow your brand for a healthier planet, there's one area of impact that all e-commerce brands share, and that's shipment packaging. It's imperative that the customer's order arrives in perfect condition. You already know that if your stuff arrives damaged, that's a bad user experience. It ends up in profit-sucking refunds or replacements, and the damaged items will likely end up in landfill. But how much thought have you given to the fact that your shipment packaging is actually usually a highly overlooked part of the overall customer experience? In many cases, it will be the very first physical interaction someone has with your brand. With sustainability, the war on waste and the single use plastic problem being front of mind for almost all consumers now, the last thing you want is for that first impression of your brand to be dominated by frustration with how your products are packaged. That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with our friends at Heaps Good Packaging on the show. They provide a range of very cost-effective, eco-friendly, compostable shipment packaging from simple mailers through fillers, tapes, labels, and post-pack boxes. And with that all-important first impression in mind, they can also help you with custom-printed packaging as well to really elevate your brand experience. Head over to heapsgoodpackaging.com.au and use code PACKLIKEABOSS to get 10% off site-wide. Let's bring okay, it back, back into, into today's discussion because obviously you started out by saying you're essentially a digital company. So what are you doing to interact with consumers and grow your brand you know, in the digital space? So for me, it's been about social media. Yeah. So Instagram, TikTok, uh, it's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with content creation. And to be honest, it's been a little bit challenging over the past few months to, to do that uh, because I got married, I came back, I went traveling again, I came back and it's just, it's been quite disruptive, but that is fundamentally how I connect with consumers. I, yeah. I ask them what they think about the product. I ask about new innovation that I should be doing next. And it's a really raw way of engaging with people and getting mass feedback so it's yeah it's it's really nice and yeah. I quite like it and I feel like a lot of people they are quite receptive to learning on these platforms as well particularly with the short form video content of reels and and tiktok as well like that's that's really the the space that I le- lean into and enjoy I love that and so I think I'm ju- I've just been racking my brains as you were talking there going back through all of the people I've had on the show and some of them fall into this category but perhaps we haven't touched on on using social media with those people but I I am of the generation that existed before social media was a thing right so I learned my marketing chops before social media was even an opportunity but you are digital I would call a digital native right you're you're, you've grew up with this as a thing and 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 you've grown up with knowing how to leverage it and all the rest of it and you mentioned TikTok there and short form video which we know short form video we know it's it's still probably the most effective media type to be using for engagement but can you tell us can you share some of your little inside secrets there around what you think's worked best in terms of the types of content you've produced you know what what gets best engagement and what gets best click through ultimately to drive sales yeah so i think when you're when you're creating the content you need to think is this something that i'd really be interested in watching so mm. it needs to it needs to add value so it needs to be funny it needs to be educational or it needs to be something they've 
never seen before and it's a wow factor it's just like really really captivating so that could be with uh, with the captivating, interesting one, it could be a really strong call to action on the screen or in the in the caption, or it could be a really cool transition at the beginning of the video. If you're looking to educate them, it could be, and this, I, again, the call to action is important, having something in the first three seconds of the video, yep. but it's making sure it's something that's interesting, something, and Something that you think that you have heard before, people probably haven't heard it. And I find a lot that I post things that I've I've known for ages and I post them and I share my knowledge and people are like, I've never heard of this before, but I'm going to start because that's a really easy way to be more sustainable. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, so it's, it's actually, it's really fun, but I think the best way to do it is mapping it all out and just ensuring you're hitting each of those, like the, right. I, you participate in the trends and it's all, it's a, it's a bit of fun, but you can put your spin on it and you can make it relevant to your brand. You use the trending sounds, but make it relevant. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it does require a bit of investment, a bit of scrolling investment to see what the trends are, what's happening, what people are receptive to, but yeah. If, you, if you're already on Instagram and TikTok and these platforms throughout the week, then you can just save them. And then when it comes to your planning day, you go back, you rewatch some of the things that you've saved and it really helps with the mapping of what you're going to do for the, the content creation session. What a brilliant piece of advice. I love that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really very, very cool. So, I mean, obviously we started out talking there a little bit about the fact that your primary, probably primary engagement narrative is around sustainability rather than being, yeah. yes, we're, we're about home cleaning or yeah. making sure that you don't smell. You probably don't talk so much about the functional parts of the, of the product. It's it's more around how we can go plastic free and, and the sustainability elements. And so do you find that then that's most of the content then is around education? It's around um, helping people to move to a more sustainable existence yeah absolutely absolutely and you know what every now and then i do put in cleaning tips and tricks yeah because, and sustainable cleaning tips and tricks it you would be amazed at what you can do with white vinegar in the household and i like to i like to share those as well like i i try not to be me 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 about the brand all the time especially because it's always me appearing in the reels yeah, yeah. um so yeah i do i lean a lot into the education side of things around how to be more sustainable and just educating around the product as well how the product will help someone to be more sustainable yeah Uh, yeah those are typically the types of content i do and i'll sprinkle a little funny video in every now and then which tend to do quite well yeah yeah i I love that bonnie because part of the purpose marketing playbook framework that we roll out at sustainable e-commerce we we talk absolutely about the the absolute imperative of if you are an educator brand if you're helping people to live more sustainable lives which ultimately we should all be if we're sustainable brands you have to be the person as the founder that's the front and center of driving that because you're the guide they have Mm. to know and love and and trust you in order to go yeah okay i'll try this technique i'll try this tip and you've got to then provide lots of value so you're doing all the things that we talk about you know it's sort of behind the scenes here so so that's awesome but then i do want to go a bit deeper into tiktok because uh tiktok i think is a really interesting one and i haven't seen too many sustainable brands absolutely killing it on the platform so so can you i mean you talked about you know trends in in types of content and you also talked about making it funny and engaging i mean how do those two things come together when it comes to to sustainability how do you how do you make that fly again it just comes down to scrolling finding your inspiration 
And the inspiration can be in completely different verticals. It doesn't matter. It can be a sustainable brand in a different industry, Mm. but that's kind of where I get my inspiration from. It sounds terrible. And then sometimes, like sometimes I have my out-of-box ideas. I'm like, oh, that's amazing, but it won't necessarily do well because it's not trending on TikTok or Instagram. Also, I think one piece of advice around a TikTok Instagram piece is if you want to play in both, then find the trends in TikTok first, record whatever content you want to record, uh, make sure you save it, and then you can post it to TikTok. You can post the exact same thing to Instagram because typically your audiences are going to be completely different audiences. And as long as the content is one of those three things, so funny, educational, on trend, in in those kind of lines, then it's going to do well on both platforms. Yeah, And then over time, you'll get to understand the different demographics that you're speaking to based on what do well. And so if, if they are, if there's something that one platform does really well with, then you, you can just save it for that one platform as opposed to the other one. But I actually find that sharing the same thing across two platforms, it, it does not hurt at all. We talk about this as well. Just because you've got the same content, A, doesn't mean the same people see it, but it all, even if they do, it's not a bad thing because it's mm. the same message that gets repeated. Yeah. And ultimately, if it's an educational message, if it's a brand message, if it's a branding message, those sorts of things are very, very important. So so where do you where do you find you get most traction then ultimately? Is it is it your Insta Reels? Is it your TikTok? And, and how does that translate ultimately into bottom line, which is sales? Yeah. So interestingly, TikTok, I started way later than I started my Instagram because TikTok at the time was kind of for 13-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. So I got into TikTok later, but I found that the initial growth on TikTok was a lot quicker than what it was on Instagram. Instagram is a slog and the mm. and the algorithm is punishing. It's really difficult for, for brands to get ahead with visibility, especially if you're listed as a brand as opposed to uh, an individual contributor on the platform. So I actually quite like TikTok. I find that you get really good uh, engagement with people and then also you have the opportunity to do the, the TikTok lives, which you end up developing a bit of an audience. I was doing TikTok lives a, a few times a week and I found that people were actually joining, speaking, sharing really interesting bits of insight and different bits of content that I should be doing next. And I'd post a sale on TikTok or I had my my TikTok uh, discount code in the bio mm. and just as a tracking method to see how many sales were coming from TikTok and Instagram and TikTok was way higher. Wow. Way higher. Yeah. And so have you dabbled with sort of TikTok paid media or has it all been organic so far? I've done a tiny bit. I really, I haven't done much at all. Uh, So I can't really, I can't really talk to that, but TikTok's a funny one. Sometimes you'll have a video that gets 30 views. Sometimes you'll have a video that gets 30,000 views. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to predict which is going to get what and at what time of day. As opposed to Instagram, you kind of know what time of day you have to post and this and that. And I know on TikTok they say it's the same, but I actually I find that it's not like that at all. 
TikTok is a content machine, and when it goes, it goes incredibly well. And most yeah. of the things just won't go. They just because they, yeah. they have a very very short, in fact, instantaneous lifetime mm. in effect. But in amongst all the people that I talk to that are having some success on TikTok, it is generally about the organic content, not so mm. much the paid content. So, and that means that's an investment in creation, right? In in, in like, like you exactly like you said, it's in creation in in understanding what the trends are, figuring out your your creative ideas creating interesting captivating content so that people want to watch it and then of course that's that's where it can blow up and be really useful for your brand so fascinating little bit of background there thank you so much for sharing that then so what's next what's coming up for keep a clean in terms of how you want to grow your business where do you see this going over the next sort of 12 18 months and what are you working on to try and drive that growth and and the impact that you want to have um, in terms of sustainability yeah so in the background lots of ideas in terms of where the business will grow in terms of the new products but none of that is too close at the moment nothing nothing that i can share uh but in terms of where i want the business to go to to grow and go is i think really just want to focus on educating more people bringing in more people to try keep it clean and understand mm how easy it is to be sustainable like it really it is the easiest thing you can you can stockpile pods that is no problem and you'll never run out uh, and it's just a, a refill model so easy but I just I need to I need to get back on social media posting consistently that mm. that to me is is the goal for this year last year was very disrupted and so this year I'm I'm super focused on getting back into that space. But I, I just, I love helping people. I love educating people. So it's, yeah, it's a real passion of mine to be there as well. So yeah. that's kind of, that's where I want to go. Uh, and just, yeah, and just investing more time into, into building the brand, into doing things that people like adding value to their lives more more content posting i'd like to get into the into more articles on the website as just bits to to engage people and bring them in from from search as well so that's yeah, yeah that's kind of what i'll be focusing on yeah awesome and and don't underestimate just how unusual you are in the sense that you are in the sustainability space you're making a um, really effective personal care home cleaning products and then overlap that with the fact that you are a natural creator and a natural uh, influencer and you're willing and in fact enjoy getting on camera i mean that that confluence of of skill sets is honestly extraordinary and so that's it's not normal and because and, i speak to a lot of brand owners right and and when i start talking to them about i need you to get on camera more you could literally see the blood draining out of their face for most people, right? So, so the fact that you like this, you like doing this, is stands you in great, great stead to really drive your brand forward using that as your key mechanism. So, I, I'm very excited for you. I think that's going to go very, very well. So, where do people get your beautiful products? How can they go and try them, Bonnie? Where can they go? So, the best place to go is uh, keeperclean.com.au. Uh, and I'll sporadically be doing markets on the northern beaches as well. So if you if you're on Instagram, check out keep, at keeper.clean and I'll be posting about any markets that I do on the northern beaches. But outside of that, it'll be it'll be online. Awesome. 
Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. And I hope that um, there's the listeners have got a heap of value out of particularly your insights into how to drive social content. So thanks very much. It's been brilliant. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Back to Giles again for my top takeouts. And the first one for me was the little nugget of wisdom Bonnie shared about why her customers buy and therefore what to focus on in her marketing. Keeper Clean's customers are not necessarily motivated by cost savings. They choose the brand specifically because they're looking for a way to live more sustainably, in this case, reduce single-use plastic. It might seem obvious, but being clear on your customer's primary reason for purchasing from you and making sure that you show how you meet that need is absolutely critical. Beyond that, Bonnie's absolutely out there front and center being the face of her brand. The brand's mission is about helping customers to get rid of single-use plastic. And she's very much being the guide in that conversation, mixing in educational content, her own personal journey, and a good dose of humor to make it enjoyable and engaging to be part of the movement. I really can't stress enough how vital this is if, like Keeper Clean, you're truly hoping for your brand to influence a real change in human behavior. And lastly, Bonnie shared some great tips on how to leverage social media and specifically TikTok. Do your research and find what's trending on that platform. Make sure that it's captivating in the first three seconds, entertaining and engaging. Create your short form content for TikTok first and then don't be afraid to publish on Instagram too. We do love reuse in all of its forms. So I'd like to thank Bonnie again for joining me today. I certainly hung up the recording feeling inspired and energized by our conversation. And if that's the same feeling her audience gets, then I'm sure there's a very bright future for the Keep A Clean brand. I'd also like to say thanks for my sponsors, Heaps Good Packaging, for making this podcast more sustainable. And I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet. <laughs>